way you can say that you could never make her happy. And welcome to The Music That Shaped Us, a podcast that delves into the world of music with the people that make it happen. I'm your host, Tamsin Wills, and each week I'll be speaking to bands, artists and industry professionals about the music that shaped them and how they got to where they are now. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at The Music That Shaped Us. Joining me this week is Jack Bennett from Lonely the Brave. Now, Jack took over on vocal duties for the band a couple years ago and back in January released his first album with them called The Hopeless. It's pretty much been on repeat for me since it came out, so I was super excited to speak to Jack and learn about his musical influences throughout his life. Turns out, he really likes Craig David. Keep listening to find out more. Hello, Jack. Firstly, thank you for being one of the first ever guests on this podcast. And secondly, I just want to say a very belated congratulations on the release of the album. I know it was a few months ago now, but yeah. it's it's amazing. I'm still listening to it every day. Um, so nice. how, how's everything been for you since the release of the record? Yeah, good. Um, we've Well, we actually managed to meet up for the first time in like literally... Uh, since we recorded, we did it was like a year and a half ago. So since then, we 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 were actually able to come up and do like this live, um, uh, this kind of live video that we've been wanting to do for a little while. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's the first time I've seen them since then. But other than that, it's just been like sort of um, pressing things online, just bits and pieces, like yeah, just releasing it. In uh, but yeah, so time goes so quick, didn't it, man? It's literally like we uh, we were talking about doing like redux stuff and bits and pieces of um like acoustic versions and like just just weird um different types of versions of the songs and stuff uh but we couldn't get the guys up so i ended up doing a piano version of of um one of the songs on the album called keeper and we did uh like i was sending it over to the guys and like obviously the guys don't have studios but they've got like, bits and pieces of stuff and obviously i know i'm lucky i've got set up here and everything but uh but yes yeah, so i've just been just been doing bits and pieces that we we physically could do obviously now things are starting to hopefully um open up a bit more um and we'll see like what we if we can actually meet up and finish the rest of that um reduxy type stuff as well but um but yeah just trying to just trying to fill up the time as best we as best we all can but just weird meeting him and that was that was the main thing yeah actually seeing him <laughs> that must have been quite yeah. nice as well so like the first time obviously that obviously those mm. guys are kind of not far from each other but you're no. you're mm. a bit more of a distance away from the rest of the band aren't you yeah yeah well it, it's not it, it, it also the fact that, that we literally recorded the album uh was it we finished like a, a week in january off it was like january or something one one year whenever this fucking thing was i don't know if it was like the last year or this well it wasn't this year um was it last year? It must have been last year. Yeah, we finished it in January last year and they had like six, seven days where they came up, um, all of them. And then Mark could only do the weekend because of his job and things like that. So we literally did like six, seven days and that was the last time we saw each other. Um, and then I kind of mixed the album here on my own throughout lockdown. And then obviously back and forth with my notes because you just send over whatever and everyone's getting to the point where everyone's happy with it. And then obviously, yeah, the next time I saw them, we were playing the songs for the first time. We'd literally never played any of the songs keeper we played maybe twice 
um, in like reality. And then we'd never played Bound other than mimed it to the video. We did the video in March, which was the last thing we did before lockdown, the last time we saw people. Um, last March, I think it was. Last March. I don't know. Last March or the March before. I don't know. It was, mm. it's good. Time's going well quick now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was literally the last time we saw him. Um, and then, yeah, just saw him the other weekend to do this, to do some live stuff. But um, we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, yeah. it was super weird. Um, so going back to the record, the album, obviously yeah. this is the first one with you as the vocalist. And mm-hmm. you, you obviously did a lot of the mixing and you pretty much did everything in your studio. Was yeah. It daunting for you taking on that responsibility. Uh, yeah, early on it was, but obviously, like if I wasn't if I wasn't so stubborn with everything, I was just like um, confident in uh, in my own ability to do it. Because basically, we just got to a point where I was like, if I couldn't do it, I would just say, like, yeah, I would either learn how to do it, which has always been like how my sort of mum and dad have taught me to do stuff. So, or you just. Um, or you just kind of like I knew that I wasn't really didn't want to master it. That's the only thing. Uh, only thing we didn't do. Uh, they, I, well, I did master it to send it to the guys. So it's like a certain level of they just want like volume. And obviously, if it sounds quiet, it's like what's going on with the mix? It's like well, it just needs to be louder. But um, but yeah, anyway, so literally, um, I did all mastering the, the, the whole album, and then uh, and then I was like, I said, can we get an external mastering engineer involved with this, please? Because I just want someone who's who just has done it for 20, 34 years, whatever, and knows how it's going to hit radio, and uh, and I'm not have to deal with those compressors and stuff like that because I don't want to be really trialing out. Um, their album uh, with having to deal with like those little bits and stuff like mixing is, is as soon as you, you know you can obviously go different ways and stuff my chair's fucking broken man what's going on um, I got this really fancy like these fucking fancy studio nonsense chairs and they're all shite they're all like <laughs> literally like I'm just like rocking around like an absolute non- non- like, I don't know it's really weird but um, but anyway yeah so um, yeah I just wanted to externally master everything else we did mixing wise and I was I was confident from the start for the most part Um it swapped labels since, you know, we started yeah. with Hustle at the very start. And then um, we just worked on different things and like demos and back, some, back and forward and stuff. But the amount of stuff we actually did together um, was sort of limited because of their time. So we literally came in tracking stuff and we weren't even in there uh, in the studio for very long. We were literally in there for like, I don't know, I think the max we were in 11 days total in the studio. And then the rest of the time was back and forth over like mixing and stuff. Um but yeah, no, it's fine. Just yeah, just getting on with it and um, making sure that people didn't slag me off too much. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, like when you're singing, it's kind of like it, I, I didn't really care about. I, I like production. I love mixing and love listening to different stuff and all that kind of things. So that was kind of a separate thing. If it sounds good, it, good enough, I would be happy. But I just spent like a lot longer to try and make it sound um, like the band sound to me live mm. for the most part, or as best I could make that sound with with what. Um, you know, like the setup we have here and everything like that. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah. Just trying to make sure people didn't, didn't slag them off too much. I mean, I people are going to slag me off because I'm a new singer anyway. So I didn't really, I wasn't like bothered about that. I was kind of like, well, I can expect people to, act. But as soon as we got a bad review, we got a bad review on iTunes two weeks before the album came out. So I was thinking, right, well, that's the bar then. That's the bar yeah. of people uh, being like, you know, like we've pre-ordered this album. You can't, literally you couldn't hear a single song other than everything was like bound on YouTube. But they were signed off the album. It was like, oh, two out of five stars, which I thought was a fair thing considering they didn't like it. They still give it two. I thought <laughs> still, that was pretty good. Still gave it two stars. Yeah. There was still some good bits yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was funny. But um, but obviously that's the kind of level of, of Twitter you kind of like, you're setting stuff up to. And New Singer, it's just like an absolute fucking, yeah. I don't know, it's just a, it's just a funny ground of, um, yeah, whatever. I just take it on the chin kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and obviously you've hopefully fingers crossed got your tour later this mm-hmm. year. Um, 
Yeah. Other, other than that, are there plans to write a new album? What's kind of the latest with you and the guys? Yeah, well, I was trying to do that um, bits and pieces of that Redux stuff. So I was hoping to get, well, whenever we can get more people together, we'll do, um, which I guess is probably from now on. I mean, technically we did this work bubble thing and we can do all that. Uh, but because my mum and my dad run a net where we have nurse, a nursery, two nurseries, there's one nursery downstairs in the studio. And that is, um, like they were kind of like, oh, I don't want to come into the nursery and things. And I was like, yeah, that's really nice of you and everything. But obviously like there's so many people that I know and bands that have been in work bubbles and and they're literally just in the studio for like two weeks and then they go home and they come back and we're in the work bubble again for two weeks. And I guess we could have done that method, but because two of them work in the NHS, you know, the other two were in different, like Ross in Bristol and things like that. So it, it was back and forward a little bit, but hopefully we can get together and do some, some of the um, more Redux type stuff for, because I know they've got lots of ideas for like completely different sounding versions of the album that they really want to, to, to get down between now and October time. So we can have things that are like leading across. Um, and then in terms of like the actual, yeah, next album, they've already been like writing new ideas and stuff, but we, we haven't, we haven't literally haven't got together the, the other weekend to do that live, live video thing that we are trying to mess around with. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. See how it goes. Hopefully we can yeah. do another album. I don't know. Hopefully, see what happens in the next yeah. few months. No one knows what's yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Right, let's get into the, the actual content for the podcast, the reason you're here. Um, yeah. We'll start with the first question. What mm-hmm. music did you grow up with? What were your parents listening to? What filled your house when you were a kid? Um, my mum likes Cranberries. Um, my dad likes Smiths and like Oasis and everything from like Manchester, that sort of scene and stuff. Stone Rose is like massively... What I was into, uh, mum likes a lot of, uh, and like still likes like a lot of like Tracy Chapman and um, what else is she listen to a lot of? Uh, Simply Red, I mean, maybe a bit, I don't know. Simply Red is such a mum. Yeah, well, I think it, it might even be a cop out because I don't know if she, she'd probably like, I'm not sure. But no, I, just stuff like, like stuff, that, stuff like that. I mean, like Lighthouse Family, that was no, like loads of like, Nice sounding stuff that I didn't realise I was allowed to like in school when yeah. uh, everyone would be like, ooh, that's it's girls' music or something. I remember that being like a fucking theme. And uh, and I was like, I was I really liked Trace Trace Chapman like a lot. And uh, Gabrielle. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is really good. Really good vocals, really nice, like RB kind of vibe, soul production. Really liked it. And uh, well, not production at the time, I'd have no idea, but I was like thinking this is cool. I don't know why. It's just the chords are really nicely put together. I love that. Um and then uh, once I once I like did cared less and less about what other people thought about my music taste. I was like well into that. And then my brother got me massively into um, uh, Craig David from like little and not even, not even like rewind all that bullshit. It was like literally like every deep tracks. It was like, uh, we were in Tesco the other day and I literally heard like this B side of, of, of one of his singles from like the, the third album that was like less received. I thought this is cool. So like, Cause I like literally know all the songs from, yeah. from that and, and and his vocal runs were just absolutely unmatched like it didn't matter about the production at all like he, he can just sing very very well like he might have come up with some fucking weird songs over the years and stuff but like his actual live vocal performance he's always doing these trills and stuff and he that was before like autotune was like a massive um part of production and stuff so uh yeah and my brother played that on his decks like quite a lot like uh Craig David and what else did he play I mean even some from hip-hop stuff like um G-Unit listen to that a lot wow um, what a throwback yeah yeah so I was like kind of thinking I think what else was listening to 
Uh, yeah, a lot of Dr. Dre stuff as well. Um, a lot of, oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I mean, just just gen- just general general kind of like soul and R and B stuff was kind of like the 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 core of it all, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my dad was like well into like guitar and music um, and effects and just like loads of like delays and reverbs and stuff like that. So um, so that carried on into me wanting to play guitar a bit later on. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's kind of that. At what age do you remember? You know how old you are um, when you kind of first started finding your own music tastes and like how that happened? Was it through friends? Was it through the internet? Like how did you kind of discover yeah. your own taste? Yeah, well, I guess the, I guess because, because the Craig David one was like such a big thing. That was the first time I'd listened to um, stuff, and I thought like, oh, I actually, because I was always singing, but like it was a really like operatic, and I, I fucking hate opera. So it was literally like. And I hate all theatre music, although I love Disney, but I don't like any sort of like pronounced, like trained, um, articulated singing. I just, it was like the epitome of non, of like false singing by like pronouncing everything. And that's why I was always like, I don't give a shit what you're singing, like lyrics and all this crap. Um, which is like coming into the band where everyone's about lyrics. I'm just like, well, this is what I write about. I love melodies. And um, I also write about things that I care about, but obviously um, I don't care if people know that. But anyway, so... Um, the actual question you asked me was how to get some yeah so um yeah Craig David was probably the probably the main thing and then when my brother got me into that I was wanting to like overly sing in and just bad and, and stuff like that and then I got into uh, open mic stuff at uh, when I was like 14 15 with a guitar but I played loads of instruments for like piano and and violin and saxophone and stuff at school um and did like little bits of lessons and stuff but all of those like were nothing to do with like singing really. Even the piano ones, I would never like sing with it. I would play like classical stuff and I, and I didn't like trying to get a grasp of piano and stuff. It was all good, but, um, and it's really helpful now, but, but uh, I would never sing along. And that was kind of like my thing. If I was to be like, Oh, like a songwriter now or whatever, I, I, I didn't really focus on singing for ages. Like a weird thing that I don't think I've even mentioned. I went to, um, Lee's College of Music this one time was on a tangent but I, I was in a band with um, do you know Becca from Marmosettes and Josh yes yeah and uh, the, those lot and um, and I don't even I don't even know them like at all but I played bass and we had two bassists in the band and it was me them and she was singing with this other, another girl that I don't remember the, I think she was also called Rebecca but um, and we were fucking doing it I remember playing bass and I was just like what the fuck am I doing here and I quit like a couple of weeks after I was like why am I here this is so weird. Um, and, uh, cause I've never told anyone that I sung or anything. So, um, so yeah, the first actual experience of like playing guitar and singing, I picked guitar was the last instrument I picked up. And that was when I was like 15 or 16 and we went to open mics and I was just like drunk people falling over me. And it was mainly like Kings of Leon at the time. So I was massively into that. And then because I had like the slightest bit of grit in my voice, I was like, Oh, Aaron, you sound a bit like this guy's like some fucking nothing like that guy. And it was <laughs> that, you know, that song, you know, that song, the, the calling wherever you were going. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember doing that. Right. I did that open mic a bunch of times. People go, Oh my God, it sounds just like the original. I was like, no, it just sounds like another guy with like a slightly gritty voice singing the same, same fucking song. But obviously open mics, you, you find out if you shit very quickly because people will tell you. So that yeah. was, that was a, that was a really cool, um, a really cool kind of learning curve. Uh, and it's what this one thing that put me off drinking as well. <laughs> when I was there because obviously you just get, you get everyone coming in and just be like, absolutely like collapse and people, can I play harmonica? It's like, shut up, man. please just stop. <laughs> just stop doing all this. And, um, and yes, yeah, so you get all all the all sorts in there, and then obviously um, try and take that forward to actually gigging and touring and stuff. But yeah. um, 
but yeah, I, mean, I guess it, I remember like Kings Leon and, and like my dad was into like so Smiths and stuff. So that's kind of the main guitaring thing that I would always, I just put loads of pedals on and loads of delays and, and just talk yeah. for the best. What was <laughs> the first album you ever bought? Uh, yeah, probably Corey David fill me in, <laughs> which is, uh, <laughs> which is like, the, this is just Brit, like showing you as just a really big Craig David fan. Yeah. And I've not, I've, I used to have a problem with it like early on, but now I'm kind of like, I don't know. I don't even care about the, res- right, you did like resurgence or whatever and did all this fucking DJ stuff, uh, and, and, and whatever. But, um, no, I just, I just really thought the songs were like really catchy. They're really simple. And it was all about like the vocal melody. And I had no idea that it was, most of it was like really weird, like talking about one of them's like ice cream flavors and, um, like literally like what's your flavor. And then, and then obviously like coming to now when he's writing songs, there's like one that's like about for the gram and all this kind of crap. It's like, you're talking about not, uh, doing my Instagram and stuff. I'm just like, fucking hell, this is so, so bad. But the song's like undeniably catchy. They're like yeah. such good, strong melodies that it doesn't matter how you apply that. Like obviously everyone's like, oh, it's just rubbish. And it's like, well, just because it's not deep and meaningful doesn't mean that the, the actual level of the creation, like if you put those those same melodies on strings arrangements and put it into like an orchestra, then I swear to God, John Williams would be like, yeah, so it sounds good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you would yeah. actually get away with that shit. I know it's so stupid, but that's the same kind of ethos that I take when I was just like listening to stuff. Yeah. Um, there's probably other people that I've just fucking got creative and I'm made at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your first gig or was that Craig David as well? No, no, I don't think I've actually seen Craig David, which is, which is mad because I would never buy tickets to like arena or something yeah. when I was little. But um, uh, first gig, um, the first one that I went to, I don't remember, was uh, a band called Shed Seven. Oh, supporting, yeah. Uh, supporting Pure Essence, which was a band that, we, my mum and dad took me to like religiously um, from Manchester. I ended up uh, being their sound tech when I was like 18 in, not sound tech, I was doing their, their, their visuals in Greece because they're massive in Greece and I was doing the visuals. Sure. <laughs> Fucking, uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it shared seven basically. Yeah. And that yeah. was in Manchester, I think, Apollo, maybe. I don't know. Something like that. So what what was your local music scene like then? Did you spend most of your time just in Manchester? Did you have any favourite venues that you'd go to all the time? Uh, well, not, I was six when I went to that one, so uh, <laughs> not so much into the scene <laughs> as, as like actually just trying to fucking write. Uh, like, uh, let me try and work out. Yeah, because yeah, Manchester, Manchester's like uh, still an hour away from me. So Leeds, Leeds was kind of like the main one because I kind of live in the, in, the, in the countryside, so it's between Leeds and Manchester, like an hour away from each place by drive or like by drive, by car, um, or 35 minutes-ish on trains. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like there's a few venues around Leeds that I'd go to, like um, the the Well was one. I don't think it's there anymore. Um, and there's like, uh, there's a couple of competitions that we did and we ended up playing like Academy Academy uh, One, at the uh, Leeds Academy thing. It was like part of this... this um, uh, Martin's house, like children's hospice, like competition thing, like really early on, the first band I was in, and that was kind of like, yeah, the, a lot of those venues, like the, the Delphi, um, yeah, uh, what was it, the not warehouse, what's it called, fucking, uh, it's one where you go downstairs, it was kind of like jazzy, um, and it was, there's was a few of those, and then the same in Manchester, like a uh, Deaf Institute, I absolutely love that, and we loved playing the downstairs venue, and I don't even know what it's called again, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, it was like sound control and another one, but, uh, but yeah, great venues, great venues. Yeah. 
Um, nice. Yeah, I loved all that kind of stuff. So, if you could relive any live moment, mm. and whether that's from you know you watching a band or being on stage yourself, what would yeah. it be? Uh, well, I just go for when I remember. I remember watching uh, Fight Star at like two o'clock in the afternoon at Leeds Love Festival. Fight Star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely incredible band. Uh, and um, I remember watching watching them. At two o'clock in the afternoon, and like me and two other mates or something were like, Yeah, we're gonna watch this band, Bright Sunshine, Boiling Hot. And they were like singing like fucking Death Car. And and this it was like doing this like inward screaming. I was like, Oh my god, what is going on? And people were just like, I don't what the fuck it and I just loved how people couldn't understand what was happening. And they were on main stage, two o'clock in the afternoon, bright sunshine. Everyone's like going a bit weird. And then obviously they're there at the front for whoever's like headlining or whatever the whole day. And I just remember watching that. I was thinking that was so funny and like so up my street. And I didn't, I didn't care that a load of the audience were just like really bemused by what was happening. Um, I thought that was just really funny. And there was like a few people like fucking swinging their arms and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me laugh that, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I can, I can picture that yeah. whole scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you've said you, you started out learning instruments and stuff quite young. You started going to gigs yeah. really young. What was the yeah. moment when you decided that music is what you wanted to do for a living? Uh, well, I'm not very good at anything else, to be honest. I, I'm like, I know it's a bit of a cop out, but like, I like I try to be creative and stuff. But even with music, um, it's it just like now I've tried to get to the point of production and trying to like finish finish a song and, and record it and all that kind of crap. But it just takes so long to do like every part of it, which I just should just tell someone else to do. But I'm so stubborn and obviously brought up that way. It's just like, you will be able to do all this and like you learn to do this. Like I love, I love, um, uh, you know, like, because I never really like the singing thing and playing acoustic guitar. I'm a singer songwriter. That is the fucking worst thing I possibly think. But obviously like I've got a guitar, like everyone else. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I love the comedy of it. I love being able to hang out with like um like mates literally just playing live and, and doing not like all the Grumblebee stuff where we just turn up and the venue would sound awful. There'd be no one there and we'd have driven like a thousand miles to turn up and nobody wants to see us. It's not even that they're not there, but the people that are there don't want to watch us. <laughs> and that, I, I remember just laughing so much at those kind of moments and they stick with you. And and, um, and it's great because I'm able, to, I'm able to do this thing with like, I'm able to do it with my dad as well. My dad's able to travel around. And I remember the first time that people at school and all, all that kind of thing at college, they were always saying to me, um, oh, you know, like management early on, like big management approach, like the first band I was in and what's big management. They had like a good few, like big names on their roster. And they were saying about like, they don't really think they should have family so closely involved with it. I was like, oh, that's a good thing to say to like a, a, an up and coming actor, you know, like who am I going to trust more my family or you with this fucking yeah. axe, like just making a lot of money behind the, behind the scenes and stuff. And, uh, and I remember always thinking, oh, maybe I made the wrong choice. And, you know, like we didn't give it a big shot and all this kind of thing. And now I'm just like, I look at all the people like, I, like Shikari, like, like it's basically a family fucking business for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, everyone's in, involved, you know, like, and loads of people that I know, you know, behind the scenes that, that like uh, bring me horizon, like all their family heavily involved. It's, um, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like the people I actually like and respect in this have their family and their, their interests involved with that. So it always made sense to me. To, to align all that, you know, yeah. I, it's, just, it's just, it's just literally like animals and music. And I've managed to find a way to turn that into some sort of, some sort of, uh, you know, like where I don't lose too much money. Yeah. Know? So yeah. you're always happy every day. And then it feels like, Oh, you're fucking hell. I'm not letting happy days. Yeah. You know? Good. And so it, is that the best thing about being a part of this industry for you that you can just wake up and be happy every day? Like what are your favorite parts about being involved with this side of things? 
Yeah, well, I, I really like the comedy side of it. I didn't, I, I didn't realize how much I liked it until uh, like making people uncomfortable on stage is like one of my favorite things on the planet. <laughs> like it, it easily one of my favorite things. Turn up to like Lonely Brave gigs where people are trying to judge me, and I just love, I love the fact that like there's like there was hundreds of people watching me being like. Right, so how shit is this guy? And I, it just makes me laugh so much because it, it matters so minuscule. And like the reality of things, like the fact that we're all going to die some fucking meteorite, it's going to blow us all up. And like <laughs> everyone, eat, everyone eating animals and all this shit. And I'm just like, there's way bigger things that, that like I don't, you know, that I actually care about than people being like, right, well, my opinion on this guy singing this song mm. sounds I'm just like, I don't fucking give a shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I literally, I care so it's not, it's not that I don't care so little. I just find it so weird how people place opinions so heavily in certain things when essentially like, as long as you're happy doing what you're able to do, that is literally all that matters. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it wouldn't matter. Um, I've always said like, I'd be, I'd be the best person to get like a severe injury because I've got such a, such, I'm so happy with everything that if anyone's going to get injured, that I would like to get injured because then I'd be like, all right, well, you know, everything else is cool. Do you know what I mean? Like those people that get injured and then also have shit jobs and have no money and have no support. I feel like, yeah, do you know, I'll take that one big time. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, like, one for so, yeah, it's possible, but um, yeah. obviously not. Um, I, I, what, what I really enjoy it. And I think like, cause obviously I, you know, I've, I've known you from when you were doing Grumblebee, Grumblebee, yeah, yeah. Grumblebee. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then obviously you took on the role with Lonely and the Brave. And I think yeah. like j- just from like seeing on socials and stuff, when you first got announced as the singer, I think one of the uh, like fat fans, if you can call them fans, were saying mm-hmm. was with the song, The Blue, The Green. Yeah. Because obviously it's got that note in it, which yeah. is very hard to hit if, you know, you're a good singer sure. at best sort of thing. And I th- what I was seeing is a lot of people were like, you know, well, is he going to be able to hit that note? And then, oh, okay. yeah, and then, yeah. you, and then you do, and you've smashed it. And I've <laughs> like from the outside have also really enjoyed watching that because I, you know, I was like, yeah. I have no worries about Jack taking over as a vocalist because <laughs> I know your range, and it, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean huh. about just kind of having the people there going, well, I don't think he's going to be able to do this, and I'm just like, no, he is. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, that's that's really that's really nice to have like like people like yourself like the belief there but like equally it, it's just the fact that not it, it's weird that that obviously that all you do is basically say your same thing you have your opinions but they just they just get amplified a little bit more because you reach more people so it, it it's the same reason the same reason that i know less and less people that come come away from twitter or whatever because they get affected by their opinions whereas i i sort of think it like i, I just I, I used to think that I cared about certain things and then I did. And then I was like, oh, I have to reply to this and stuff like this. But I, early on, I was trying to find like really miserable comments that were like just mean or just like, you know, and I found that if I found them funny, which most of them I did, like a lot of them were like, oh, no one can replace this guy unless it's like Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. And it's like, <laughs> it's just that people's bar is so, so high. Is it like if that happened? Like, do you know what? I'd probably say, "Go on, Eddie, you crack on, mate. Yeah. You enjoy yourself." Do you know what I mean? I, I just, I just found that the the people's people's opinion they were they were already set there by way higher than than you could ever do. I thought I was a perfectionist in terms of studio stuff and where I want the songs to sound and how I want the band to, to, to I want it to sound as good as I imagine them to sound. Right. So that was my only real goal in it. The voice thing is like whatever. Because it's, yeah. it's so objective that you can either like it or not. If I can't sing them, then now I've got a bit more of a say. We were literally playing the songs the other day and I was like, can we just drop it like half a step? Like, 
I could I can sing all these songs, but it's the top, top, top of my range, so I can make them sound as good as possible on the record. Yeah. And then if I we drop it half a step, they're like, oh my God, I can just sing these. And now we can do like two hour set. Not that I would ever want to bore anyone that much, but like <laughs> if we were gonna do that level of stuff, we'd have the longevity to do that two, three, four, five nights on the go, right? Rather than being like, oh, my voice is sore because I've been screaming the whole time. And I'm just like, I saw, oh my God, I can just I can actually have an input now. So this mm. was the first time I felt like I could say something like that. Um, and it was way, it was so much easier. Um, which sounds stupid obviously like it's common sense it's like yeah just drop the key by like half a step not even one step like Grumblebee stuff I dropped my two full tones down just so I could scream higher and just piss around with it um, but uh, but yeah I don't know man just having an input in a, in a band is, is funny and uh, keeps me happy and sane and stuff so Good. whatever <laughs> <laughs> so what would be your favourite album of all time or is that Craig David as well <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely up there um, favorite album all time. Uh, do you know what? Uh, so I, I listen to a lot of um, a lot of like production based stuff now, which is like like just just to because I've got some really fancy speakers and they sound stuff sounds really wide and things like that, and you can hear things like and you pick things out. And to me, that sort of feels like it's sort of leveling up. You can your ears can hear more. It's like the opposite of turning up to a, a venue with poor sound. You get to hear everything clarity and all that stuff. So I like a lot of Zed stuff. I like a lot of Grey. Um, there's a girl called um, H.E.R. Do you know her? Do you know? No. So she, she's like, um, that's probably, that was the most played album um, in my past two years. Uh, and it, it's just her self-titled. And it's literally just like an American girl who plays uh, guitar and uh, and well, a lot of piano as well, but uh, but it's basically R and B and kind of soul slash hip hoppy stuff. And the production is so bass heavy and so so bass. It's basically like the weekend or something. But like she has this crazy range and she plays the guitar like it's not like oh I'm just a person. You know, like I've seen a bunch of like singer songwriter um, uh, like pop artists who just put a guitar on and they just play some chords, right? And they're just like, okay, cool. This is this this sounds cool. I'm playing the like normal chords where she can actually play a guitar like really, really well. So it's um it's all like that kind of stuff in, into one. So I think that's probably my my favorite album that I can think of. But yeah, Fight Star Grand Unification's up there. What an um, album. Yeah, incredible. Um I like a lot of the 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 first album by Amorosa was like one of my um one of my well, not in the first album, it was the album with Relativity, so it's not the first. It's the one with Johnny Craig singing those um, crazy notes, and I was like, "Fucking hell, this sounds really cool." And um, and then I guess that shaped a lot of the sound of uh, what I was trying to do with my voice. Uh, but I didn't realize that any one sounded like that, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, but obviously, yeah, loads of them like American bands. Um, yeah, I mean, fuck it, her, her, her's the one. That's the that's the album. I've just listened to it so many times. It's just it's like it means so little to me as well. It's about it's about this like uh, well it, this this like well it's so far removed from my point in lyrics like it just shows how much i care about production lyric and, and melodies and, and sounds and all this stuff right she's talking about like a, she's like an african-american woman who's talking about her boyfriend playing nba uh like 2k whatever it is on on it on my xbox and other than me owning an xbox it's that far removed like you could be talking <laughs> about something you're talking about like meeting up with these different guys and stuff and i'm just thinking like all these opinions are so like they mean nothing to me at all like I can't even relate in the slightest, um, but this, it's just such a good voice and such a good tone. And like, a, it's like, a, it just like a, it reminds me of like a, a new soul thing um, that doesn't sound like, oh, there's like Marvin Gaye or like Al Green or something like that. It, it's like really, um, I don't know. It just sounds like really good. Check her out. Yeah, her. It's really good. Okay. 
I will go and do that later. So, <laughs> uh, other than her, um, yeah. <laughs> who, who else are you loving right now? Like, are there any upcoming bands, um, upcoming artists that you think really deserve a shout out? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who I've. I usually just pull up my Spotify, but I'm on my computer's turned off. So, I literally look just like loads of blank screens. Oh. But, um, but uh, no, it's. Uh, well, I like all the kind of the, I don't know if this is usual, but I liked all like the, the Arkham Roots in Dynamics. I mean, they're not up and coming, but um, uh, like Chapter and Verse, these couple obviously just got to know a lot of these guys as we've been playing shows together and sort of like, um, and touring and things. Uh, and they're just all like, they've got the right sort of ethos that I really liked. Um, I really like, uh, I like Sam Fender's ethos like quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, that him and his team, Ah, like really cool. Um, who else am I thinking of? Fucking hell, man! I don't even know. What? What? You do? What? Who's new now? Who's new? I'm trying to think of people that are new. Uh, uh, who's good? This is good. Audio Tree Live. Oh, James Arthur. I love that guy. Big time. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. Um, but I, I, we. It's such a strange story. His um, his sister popped up at one of the slam dunk show. well he's got a few sisters but one of his sisters came to um a, well she was at slam dunk and she came to watch me playing acoustic um the first ever acoustic gig i did and uh and we got talking at that one and i was just like oh thanks a lot for coming in and, and everything and whatever and anyway she um she was following me or something i messaged her, i was like i was like do you know james off like, yeah he's my brother i was like oh, fucking hell. i was like that's mad and uh obviously talked to her and um and yeah it's just crazy because like he, again, his ethos is like the stuff he does sort of behind the scenes that doesn't really post about. And he's just like really funny as a, as like um, a lot of the like stupid shit that I post on Instagram stories. Like um, she, they just do the same thing with the family. Obviously he can't, he's not allowed to do a lot of this stuff <laughs> in yeah. terms of like, well, I'm sure he can, but um, there's a lot more money involved in him saying the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I like, I like a lot of them. Um, a lot, a lot of like, because uh, he, he plays a guitar and he plays, he, he plays instruments like really well, but doesn't, doesn't do that as much on his productions, which is like, I think he's trying to get more towards that. Not that I don't, I don't know him like super well or anything in him. So yeah. I'm sort of just jabbering, but yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'll take that. I think he's got a good <laughs> voice as well. I think, I, yeah, and yeah. I, from what I vaguely remember, is also a Fight Star fan. So you have that in common. Yeah. Apparently he worked with, with Charlie Simpson. I was talking to Sean about that the other day. She was literally saying that he worked with him on something. I don't know what they, if they released it together or if it was like just a co-write for something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I'd like to hear that. Definitely. I'd love for all, all three of you, you, James Arthur and Charlie Simpson in a room to write a song together. Oh, what yeah, yeah. Be? I'll make it, I'll try and make it happen. So yeah, like, if you could. I've been trying to work with, I've been working on a lot of pop shit for Grumblebee and I was, I've not released anything yet and I've just been like, because I don't want to put something, like one thing out and then just be like, chasing my tail for it. I want to have like 12, 13 songs and just be like, just keep putting them out with crazy high-end videos that people yeah. are like who's who's putting the money behind this and, and it's just me just putting put like a lot of effort into like one video and yeah. I just keep doing that and stuff um but yeah when i when i start putting that out i'm just literally going to send it to him uh, and be like sean please can you send this to james and just uh if he wants me to write or be on every song that he's ever written then that'd be amazing because yeah. genuinely i don't give a flying fuck about the the notoriety or the or like if he shares it or any of that kind of stuff i just want like i like people with good voices that, yeah. that uh, um, I mean, he puts too much auto tune. He's fucking when he's live singing, he does his, like live streams. He's got his auto tune in the background. I was like, mate, you can actually sing like sick, like really good. So um, I don't know, but whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Uh, 
Future collaboration with James Arthur on the cards. Love that. That's it. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, that, that is it. You've made it to the end of the podcast. Well done. Nice. I'm sorry for blabbering too much. I've not been talking no, to anybody other than my girlfriend. <laughs> no, no. This is also why I wanted to start the podcast is because I'm like, I just, I need someone to talk to. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, like I said, we should try and, I mean, are you going to, are you at 2000 Trees? Are you aiming to be at that if that happens? If it happens, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Um, because I really want to see Jimmy at World. Most important. Yeah, me too. We asked um, to play on that day because they were playing. Oh, really? So, so, so yeah. it's, it's my birth. It's my thirtieth birthday on the Saturday. Um, oh, okay. So I'm kind of planning go definitely going the Thursday if it goes goes ahead. Yeah. Um, just so I can get really happy birthday drunk watching Jimmy Eat World. Um, All right. <laughs> so yeah, hope yeah. If it goes ahead, I'll be there. Yeah. Well, with that, that's my thing, man. We've we just we've literally been told that everything because obviously everyone's like, oh, we're a bit cautious. All the agents like we're super cautious about this. Not sure what's going to happen. But with that one, uh, they they are so behind it happening. It's really yeah. weird. Like it's like they're so confident it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I don't know. They've invested like a shitload of money in it, so it better go happen. You know, it better <laughs> happen for them. So um, whereas obviously we just turn up and just accept the fact that they've put all this effort into organizing everything. Um, but if so, like literally, it's like a week, it's the 7th of July, which I think it is. So it's yeah. like the week after or two weeks after the, the the big lift or whatever, the 21st of June. Yeah. So, man, it's, that's going to be crazy. It's close, isn't it? It's really close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Me and my yeah. friends are just like, I think everyone is just like so desperate for it to happen. Obviously, it's a great festival yeah. anyway. Um, mm. So desperate for it to happen. And particularly with the lineup yeah. that they've got for it, it's just like, yeah, oh, that gets taken away from us again. Yeah, I, I don't know how. I, I hope that Jimmy at World will be able to come over because it's obviously it's different in different countries, isn't it? So yeah, we'll see what happens. This is what happens when you record a podcast interview, and a few days later, the festival you've been discussing and praying for cancels. It's heartbreaking to see our beloved 2000 Trees forced to postpone once again, and let me tell you that I am livid that I'm having to wait another year to see Jimmy at World. But sadly, that's the way the world is right now and us music lovers will just have to hold on that little bit longer. Let me tell you, as soon as venue doors and festival gates are open again, I will be weeping and I really hope you guys out there will be joining me too. So in the meantime, please help out your favourite venues and festivals wherever you can so that next summer, and I am keeping everything crossed when I say this, next summer we can have the best goddamn time of our lives. That's all for this week. I'll see you next Friday for another episode of The Music That Shaped Us.